0: Everyone, um, we are here with Joe Hooper from the Mad and Sad Club. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, could you tell us a bit about yourself and your background, please?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, hello, I'm Joe. Um, I run Mad and Sad Club, which is um, well, it's just me, and I um, work with the people and companies to help them understand and do something about mental health at work. Um, And my background is in communications, so I've been in comms for 11 years, um, started, as many people do, in a PR agency, Mm. um, did three years there, moved in-house, moved up, moved around, Um, and then in my last couple of roles, I was running comms teams as head of comms. Um, I, yeah, I moved to London about 10 years ago, which feels like a lifetime ago, Um, and I live in South East London with my boyfriend and my cat.
0: Oh. (laughs) Who I just recently
1: rescued from Battersea, Catsune. Oh, that's
0: lovely. Yeah.
1: She is called Gibson. My boyfriend named her. (laughs) She's great. I know, exactly. She's a gender
0: fluid. Yeah. (laughs) where did she live before London?
1: Um, So I grew up on the south coast in Worthing near Brighton, Um, like classic seaside town full of old people's homes and nursing homes. Uh, and then I went to uni in Reading, and then I moved to London Not long after that.
0: Wow. Oh, my gosh, I'm absolutely, I'm in an absolute, like, love affair with Brighton. Oh, really, I yeah, it. it is amazing, yeah. And yeah. um, So can you tell us a bit more about how the Mad and Sad Club came to be?
1: Yeah, so um, I realised a couple of years ago that, um, well, it smacked me in the face, really, that my mental health really wasn't good. Um, but I think now I had been unwell for, like, really long time, literally years. Um, but was it,
0: like, a slow realisation
1: or, or um, what happens It feels to me like it was really fast because right. I only realised when I was past the point of no return. So I basically... I... I I basically had a breakdown in 2017 and then another one in 2018 because one just isn't enough. Um, (laughs) Got to do it right and get the full experience, Mm -hmm. do it twice. Um, And I um, had no idea that I was unwell. I just felt that I couldn't cope with my job. And I said to my boss at the time, um, I can't cope with this job. It's too much for me. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, no, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think you're very well. And I think I can see that you've Got what, what I once had, I think you've got anxiety and depression. Um, and that kind of started me figuring out that yes, I wasn't very well and what was it that was wrong with me and trying to get a bit better. But realistically, I didn't get much better. And then in sort of February, March last year, I had a, a full on breakdown and ended up being off work for about three months. Um, and during that time, I, um, the origins of the, of the name Mad and Sad Club, I was kind of talking to a lot of friends who also struggle with their mental health and we would just try and make light of it. Like, you know, was up all night worrying about whether the sticker was on right on my notebook last night, lol, Mad and Sad, hashtag Mad and Sad. And so the, the idea came out of the fact that, you know, me and lots of people I know were going through, um, stuff and you don't have to be kind of negative or down about it obviously you do feel pretty down but you can make light of it Um, and then towards the end of last year I kind of had this idea that you know there were things that companies could do that were really simple that would help people who were kind of either struggling and managing their mental health actively at the time or were kind of going down the sort of slope of starting to struggle with their mental health Mm -hmm. um really simple things don't cost any money like um having a really clear kind of one page of guidance when you go off on sick leave when you're um, struggling with your mental health of how people are going to get in touch with you and what the expectation is on you because when I was off sick every time I heard from my employer even though they were just trying to be nice and keep in touch with me and see how I was, I immediately thought, this is just a preamble to them sacking me or telling me they can't pay me anymore or everything is so anxiety-inducing when you're already in such a vulnerable state. And simple things like that, that that I'd noticed, my company were really supportive, but there were all sorts of simple things that would not cost anything to do that would really improve things for people who are struggling. And that was my kind of idea, really. I would use my own lived experience of my mental health and my sort of skills as a comms professional, Mm -hmm. to help companies do simple, meaningful things for people at work who struggle. Um, And then, yeah, at the start of this year, um, there were some changes going on in my organisation. I got the opportunity to take redundancy. So I've been doing Mad and Sad Club since February, March this year.
0: And um, as you said, you focus on um, companies and uh, and, uh, businesses. Um, Is that because of your particular experience about how you felt? when you were in the workplace and your mental health wasn't wasn't quite, um, you know, as, as good as you hoped.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a massive understatement. I was proper mad and that's why, don't hold back. Um, yeah, I think, you know, mental health is such a big issue um, and there's a lot out there at the moment about talking about your mental health, which I think is great and it's a thing, but talking about it isn't really enough we need to do stuff about Mm -hmm. it and my experience was that so for me work is a huge trigger for my mental health Mm. um because my kind of core belief my learned belief is that I'm a failure and therefore work is a way of counteracting that belief so
0: many people do have that inner built kind of feeling and it's it's bizarre that Mm. we grow up feeling like that I know it is
1: but you know it's something that I had never realized until I saw my third therapist um Mm this time last year and I was in a really bad way when I went to see her for the first time and she kind of got me to start unpicking what my core beliefs were and where they've come from um, and yeah my my innate reaction to anything is well that didn't go right because you're a failure mm. that person doesn't want to um, have a meeting with you because you're a failure it's like a muscle memory in my brain um, and so for me work is a huge trigger because it's my like source of validation mm-hmm. and confidence um, and self-worth mm-hmm. N- now I have a slightly better balance but there are different struggles when you work for yourself um so and also yeah my experience in the workplace once I realized that I was actively managing the sort of conundrum of anxiety and depression um And the realisation that I thought I could see what companies could do to make it easier for people, it seemed like a natural place for me to, Mm -hmm. to do something about mental health and actually have some kind of impact. Because I think lots of companies know that they need to do something about mental health at work, but they don't know what. And it's complicated and it's confusing and it's sensitive and people don't know what the words are to use. And my kind of approach is to try and help people understand it a bit better so that they can then understand what they can do about it.
0: And it is, like you say, it's that, it's that level of fear. Um, people don't want to say things because they don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. They are scared of offending when actually, I don't know, from your perspective, would you rather someone just addressed it rather than shuffled around the issue?
1: Yeah, I think I come up against this so often that people are, are fearful of saying the wrong in inverted commas, thing or something that would hurt someone or make it worse. And I often say to people, like... The the person that you're worried about, you won't be able to say anything to them that is anywhere near as bad as what they're thinking in their own head, Um, and I'm I'm a very straightforward person, and I would rather someone, you know, let's call the thing what it is, be sort of open with me, Um, but everyone's different, and people do go through, you know, periods of being very, very vulnerable, and I'm having a good day today, I've been having a good good week had a few dips this week um and i'm fine to talk about it today um but yeah i think fear is a massive issue and that does stop people from having conversations with people mm. in their teams that could be really impactful
0: and don't you think arguably as well i've always thought this that by sort of um circling around the issue you're adding to the stigma because you're not actually addressing it therefore not treating the individual like an adult and kind of ostracizing slightly and I just think that is part of the problem.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point that by you, not necessarily you but you as in person who is scared to say the wrong thing, yeah. holding back or kind of tiptoeing around the edges you are perpetuating the stigma because it's it's perpetuating the idea that it's a
0: taboo subject. Absolutely. Um, so in terms of when you work with people in Uh, workplaces. Um, There's this kind of idea now that you can can bring yourself to work, but then obviously there's the boundaries of being in a professional environment. Do you think that people struggle with the personal and the professional element that is all encompassing at work? Mm. You can kind of be a bit of both, but... Step, only to a certain extent yeah if you step <laughs> yeah. too far one way then, then it's and it's sort of deemed mm. unacceptable do you, do you come across that very much?
1: yeah I think um, I think that's a really interesting point and especially you know thinking about it from my own perspective yeah. person and job were entirely intrinsically interlinked like I felt that I was my work mm-hmm. because that was where I got my sense of value from yeah. um, I think the idea of bringing your whole self to work uh, it's kind of at the point of orig- originating was a good one. In mm-hmm. the, I think, I think the intent behind it was bring your whole self to work. Therefore, be honest about what struggles you're facing, whether that's mental, physical, personal, home, work, whatever. Yeah. But I, I think that's a really interesting point about um, being able to bring only. Part of your whole self to work, and how much of that is okay. Like when I first came back to work after taking three months off last year, I um I knew that I would have to explain to people why I'd been off because, you know, I wasn't coming back with a plaster cast or you know any sort of visible sign of physical illness. Yeah. Um, but when I did start just being really open about it, it was quite a shock for people, and it pe it did take so I ran a team of 12 and it took my team a little while to get used to it but then we started to build a totally different sort of culture within the team and that's something I'm really proud of and And I think that
0: change yeah yeah that's that's fantastic and
1: it had a big impact on the whole team and you know it wasn't just me the whole team would be more honest with one another about what they were struggling about and how Mm. they could help each other um but yeah there was a kind of a bit of a, oh, um reaction at the beginning because people don't know how to react. And I did kind of feel like, oh, have I gone too far here? Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that work self, yeah. personal work boundary is a difficult one to tread, yeah. especially as well, and, you know, it's a well-trodden path, but with us bringing so much of ourselves online and on social mm-hmm. media and how your kind of online profile um, you know, loads of, all employers probably look at your online profile yeah. before they hire you.
0: Um, yeah, that line is definitely more blurred than ever before. I think definitely. And I think um, to touch upon a point you mentioned, there, um, I think I think language around mental um, mental health conditions, mental health in general, um, even people kind of determining mental ill health as opposed mm. to mental health. Mm. Um, I think I think there's been a lot done with language recently where you know it's kind of like that's the extremity that's the normal day life Mm. that's this that's that that's Mm. that um and I just think I'd love to get to a point where you know it would just be very very normal to someone say oh how are you and you say well actually no I'm not I'm not not great in my head today like Mm. I'm just you know I'm just having a me day kind of thing you know what
1: I think I really agree with that I think I feel very conflicted about the whole um vociferous debate around the language mental health mental ill health mental wealth mental well-being I think we just need to call it what it is mm-hmm. if I'm not very well I'm not very well mm-hmm. and if that affects my brain or my body or whatever then yeah for me I think the the language debate almost makes it more difficult for people to talk about it and mm. makes perpetuates the idea that you may say something wrong yeah And I think by kind of simplifying it and being more human about it and not kind of worrying so much about the language, like I would not be offended if someone said, I wouldn't be offended if anyone said any of those words about me, mental health, mental ill health, mental illness, mental condition, whatever. Um, That doesn't bother me at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we just need to be more simple and human about it and stop tripping ourselves up because otherwise we're never going to be yeah. confident and comfortable talking about this stuff
0: and we'll, we'll just scare ourselves yeah
1: exactly <laughs> i this. don't even i don't know what the right word is <laughs> i'm not sure what the pc <laughs> version is and it's my like... company is called mad and sad <laughs> literally just love. call it what it I is
0: <laughs> um and you know you, you've touched upon it a little bit but um could could you tell tell me a little bit about your past experiences mm. and why this means just so much to you
1: yeah i um so, I guess, yeah, I started to kind of be aware of my mental health in 2017. Um I say fairly
0: recently? Yeah, really yeah.
1: recently. But it was like a very fast decline and t- has taken me a really long time to understand my brain and the brain and how it can affect you. And, you know, that's changing all the time. So I, um, yeah, I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression in 2017 um and at the time I thought it was all well I do I know that work is a big trigger for me and mm-hmm. I thought it was all centered around work I'd you know I'm a ambitious person I mm-hmm. did well in my industry um and I'd you know got a the really senior job that I'd been after for years yeah. and I just thought that I couldn't cope with it and that that's what was sending me into this spiral of madness um and then as I say, that I didn't really tackle it properly. Well, I did what I thought I should do. Um, I got therapy. I went to see a couple of different therapists. I took a little bit of time off work, a few weeks. I started to do a phased return where I just took on parts of my role um, in a kind of staggered way. Um, And then I was supposed to be starting my kind of role fully again in January last year and by March I was out of the business um and had got myself even iller than I was the previous year um to the point where I would feel like I was going to vomit every morning when I brushed my teeth because the physical and mental symptoms of anxiety for me are so linked and strong yeah. I um would be panicking on the tube I'm not I don't have um kind of like situational anxiety like I don't get agoraphobia or claustrophobia or anything like that but it was just the idea that I was going into work um I would wake up five or six times in the night thinking that I was late look at the clock not be able to compute what the clock was telling me and be panicking I was late for work Mm -hmm. I would be working at home every evening I would try and cancel my meetings because I couldn't face speaking to anyone I couldn't open my emails um it just got to the point where I physically couldn't function anymore um and I was on such a kind of high of anxiety that I needed time to kind of well to let all those hormones drain out of me and to then start to learn how to manage it on an ongoing basis um so yeah, I spent a lot of kind of quiet time and reflective time in those three months and then I kind of went back to work and tried to figure out how I could manage my work and still try and kind of thrive and do well at work mm-hmm. while managing my mental health Um And I just couldn't make it work. I tried to make tweaks. I would work from home one day a week. I would start work at 9.30. I would be more honest. So I would say if I didn't think I could go to an event or a meeting, um, I would try and manage my diary in a way that would help me manage my mental health. So not having Mm -hmm. such full days. um, But it just didn't really work. It worked to an extent, um, but it didn't really work. And so um, now I work for myself. I'm coming to realize how how i need how much flexibility i need mm. to try and manage my mental health properly so i'm not good in the morning so i don't book any meetings before 11am mm. um i like to spend i need a lot of quiet time so i work um from home 3 days a week and i come into town two maybe three if i really have to um i know that i can only book in a couple of things in the day otherwise i get anxious about it and then i um can't perform very well on the day um but, you know, it feels like my mental health or my anxiety and depression are constantly mutating. Like I was on holiday a few weeks ago and I'd never experienced this before, but I had an anxiety attack. I'd For me, anxiety is just a kind of constant drumbeat. I've never had that kind of extreme in the moment feeling. Um, and it really scared me because um, I was I was on holiday. It had been really hot that day. I'd also fallen over and hit my head that day, bizarrely. Oh so I had this kind of, Again, I've never had health anxiety, but I feel like it, it was kind of uh, brought on by the fear that I might have concussion, the fear that I might have sunstroke. I was really hot and my heart was going like the clappers mm. and I couldn't cool down and I'd just eaten something and I felt sick and I I just couldn't cool down or stop my so heart that from a racing. Going on yeah. Yeah. Going on. And I ended up in a hospital in Crete and um mm. having like heart scan things and the doctor in the end said to me, um, in a in a very kind way the only thing that's wrong with you is in your head and right. made me
0: realize bloody hell I've, I just yeah to show how powerful and all mm. encompassing that is because actually the fact that you had so many things go go wrong that actually it was driven by yeah my mind yeah um well thank you thank you so much for sharing that because like it's very personal so thank you and um in terms of, so obviously now you're working with companies, you feel very passionately about that. What do you think is fundamental that businesses need to be doing to support mental health at work?
1: I think <clears throat> I think businesses need to care and genuinely care mm-hmm. and not just pay lip service or box tip. Yeah, I think um, they need to try and understand what how people can be affected by their mental health at mm-hmm. work, how that can manifest. Um, one of the things that I think is absolutely critical and happens all the time it happened to me and so many people that I speak to struggle with the mental health um, it has happened to is a mental health condition and a performance issue need to be decoupled so mm-hmm. if you have a mental health issue it's likely to affect your performance at work mm-hmm. that isn't a performance management issue that's a health issue with which affects your performance like if i had broken my arm Mm -hmm. i would be less productive at work because i only had one hand if i'm trying to actively manage anxiety and depression my my capacity is going to be lower that doesn't mean that you need to treat it as a performance Mm -hmm. issue um so i know people who've been taken through disciplinary procedures um and been performance managed in in quotation marks um when what they were grappling with was their mental health and that makes the mental health issue a million times worse because you you already think you're going to get fired because you're mad and then and then your boss is you know taking through all these procedures and all this paperwork and that makes it even worse
0: no I think it's such a good point like mm. I think there is a fundamental problem with businesses that they do not address them as two separate issues mm. it's like oh wow this is affecting that and mm. yeah absolutely but I think I think I always do that I bring it back to the physicality like if to get over like a flu or a broken leg or whatever like immediately so why would you do the same with mental health and um yeah absolutely it's debilitating Mm. you can't work properly you're not you're not your whole self yeah
1: On the um, physical link I find the physical mental link fascinating like so for me I have I get lots of physical symptoms of anxiety and they're often like a marker for me that something's going on in my head but the sort of parallel I try and draw is like um, it's like diabetes Mm. it's a it's an ongoing chronic condition that you learn how to manage and sometimes it's manageable and it's fine and you can be on an even keel for ages but sometimes
0: you might have a flare-up and it might cause you a problem yeah you learn you you build coping mechanisms yeah. you build habits yeah absolutely um and um and lastly oh <laughs> quick. um what would what would you like your legacy to, to be joe
1: oh i just did a grimace that's a really hard question <laughs> um i think Oh god, that is such a hard question, and it literally it, it kind works. of cuts to the heart of uh, my anxieties of trying oh, to.
0: I'm sorry. No, I no, need it's to fine. Go after I, I need.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I need to be better at recognizing things that I may be okay at. Um, I. Than
0: okay. <laughs>
1: Thanks. I think just um, being a honest, simple. Kind of person who has helped people understand mental health a little bit better, and maybe helped um, some companies to have a positive impact on their staff who might be struggling in a
0: really simple way. Thank you. That's probably one of the most humble answers I've ever <laughs> got to
1: that question. <laughs> I I I. I I'm always kind of at pains to be like, look, I'm not a clinician. I'm not, no. you know, a, a psychologist. But mm-hmm. I think, and I'm very honest about that, that, you know, my approach is all about lived experience yeah. of me and, and, you know, all the people in the and Sad Club community um, or on Instagram, come join us. <laughs> um, and so, but I think that means it, it, I can give, you know, insight from the inside mm-hmm. of, of what you know, a piece of communication feels like to someone who's struggling, or a, or a meeting setup, or a, a, how your first day back at work might feel, and how you can improve that
0: for someone. Um, so yeah, and sometimes you know that is more trusted than an mm. actual kind of practitioner because, mm. like you say, you've lived it, you you have experience of certain issues, you know what to do, you know what your triggers are, you can advise other people, um, and it's it's not it's not you know obviously psychologists are amazing. Uh, you met know, one earlier, Sarah, Oh great, passed. I'll have a chat she's, with her later. Yeah, she's, she's my yeah, she's wonderful. She's a psychologist. Um and uh where was I going with this? Yes. Um you know, obviously you need the professionals to kind of guide yeah. you or whatever, but but the point I'm, I'm just agreeing with you that you know, it, <laughs> it's always much more it's easier and relate um, mm. it's easier to relate to someone who's been through it. So well, thank you so much for your time today. it for so having lovely.
1: me. Lovely. I feel I feel like very calm. To be oh, confused. good. Oh, wow. Thanks. <laughs> I think <laughs> I
0: I speak really fast, and so I probably have hey. a really non
1: calming hey. impact on
0: people. You're very calming, lovely voice. Oh, thank, thank you, so, you. So, so much. And um, yeah, I'll uh, well, thank you, Joe, for joining us today, and um, see you soon.